Have you ever you ever seen an iceberg? Most people have never seen an iceberg. I've seen icebergs. I've been up in Alaska area, fishing up there, Prince Rupert three different times, just south of Alaska, and then in Alaska. And the iceberg, when you look at an iceberg, the majority of the iceberg is not seen. That's, you know, you heard of the Titanic, and the, the problem is they hit that iceberg, and most of it was underneath, hit the bottom of the ship, sunk them. That's similar to a Christian's life. You want the most of your Christian life to be unseen. Get that. Write that down. Somehow remember that. You want most of your Christian life to be unseen. In South Carolina, I lived there for five years. They had a thing called the Venus flytrap. Uh, it's, uh, the Venus flytraps, the plant has kind of two leaves that go out like this. It's kind of wet-looking surface. The plant emits a smell that flies think smell like fresh-baked apple dumplings with homemade ice cream. Whew. This Venus flytrap looks good, smells good. Appearances. The unwitting fly smells it, goes in there, lands on that nice wet surface, begins to taste that surface, and what he doesn't realize is that's his tomb. And it begins to slowly close upon him. Appearances kill them. Jesus said in John 7, 24, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgments. Twice in the Bible that I know of, it specifically says not to judge by outward appearances. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? And of course, it's kind of a negative there. You're not supposed to do that. But really, we judge from the outward appearance. We see on the outside. I can't see inside somebody's heart. But God's not that way. God doesn't judge on the outward appearance. He judges on the heart because he can see your heart. All I have to look at is the outside. Now, I've, I've been married 50 year, 52 years now, and I've been able to learn my wife a little bit on the inside. To be, be honest with you, I would never claim to know her. I know some of, something of her, some of the inside of her. I'm, I'm still learning. In fact, yesterday I'm still learning. As of yesterday, someday I may get it. Have you noticed the reoccurring condition of this world that things are not usually what they appear? There are churches all over America today that are meeting and supposedly honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. According to many reports, I mean, I'm serious about this, there's groups of people say America's in revival. Remember the old PTL club? For 20 years, they said we were in revival. Christian rock music industry say that our young people are more interested in Christian music today than ever before, that they're reaching more people through media and Christian rock music than any other time in American history. According to Christian publishers, Reports that America's having revival in reading the Bible and reading books about the Bible. Christian bookstores are all over the place now and 
full of books that are being written. Many, many books are being authored regularly about the Bible, around the Bible. And as Christian bookstores are prevalent, our technology that we live in today is as advanced as we know that it's ever been. The printed page is easily available. TV, computers provide easy access to information better than it's done in the past. We have the greatest access to reproductions of sermons and spiritual helps than ever before historically that we know of. We have the Bible on tape. We have it in Braille. We have it in a computer. We have it in a microfish. I thought he'd like that. I should also say video cassettes and eight tracks, just to let you know how old I am. But you name it, it's everywhere. You can get it. You can get it on sticks. We have more churches in the United States built proclaiming, supposedly proclaiming the gospel and the Bible than ever before. But I have a question. I have a question. Why then are the statistics among Christians concerning divorce, immorality, disloyalty, child abuse, crime, teenage delinquency, robbery, tax cheating, you name it, are up more than any time in my life among Christians. It's such a shame that our divorce rate among Christians is about 60%. Divorce rate among Christians ought to be like 2%, 3%, not 60%. Why do I say that? Because the world's divorce rate is 60%. And if we have something that they don't have, then we ought to have something they don't have. So I would dispute all of the statistics that say we're in some sort of a revival, and I would say we are in a declension. I would say we are in a falling away time from the time I was young to today, spiritually in America. Our credibility among the world is somewhere around a used car salesman. Now, if you sell used cars here today, God bless your soul. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Let me put it this way. Our credibility today is somewhere around real estate folks. <laughs> Sit down. I'm just getting your attention. The problem is, let me tell you what the problem is. I'm not just going to tell you what the, what the problem is and I'll tell you the solution, but I, I know why we got this problem. is because we're not living a Christian life in secret. We're living our Christian lives publicly. Churches are meeting and having a big old praise and worship service publicly, but those people are leaving those churches and not living for Jesus privately. How do I know that? Results. The results. The Bible says no man can con God. It's one of my favorite verses, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, they also shall he reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall reap of the spirit life everlasting. What God is looking for you and for me is how, what kind of Christian are you when nobody else is around? 
What kind of Christian are you when nobody can see you? What kind of Christian are you when it's not being viewed or recorded or looked upon, but absolutely nobody would know what you're doing, whatever you do, nobody would know what you're doing. That's the kind of Christian God's looking for today. He's looking for somebody who's real, honest, true, and has integrity. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Hypocrisy is despised by God. One of the biggest accusations against the Pharisees, which he brought an accusation against the Pharisees harder than against any other group. He says, you're covetous and you're hypocrites. Look it up. Two things he told about them. The most than anything else, he said, you're covetous and you're hypocrites. And he said, basically, you're going to blow hell wide open. These supposedly were the religious leaders of the day. They were all in the show. They wore garments that looked holy. They had phylacteries. They had little things upon their forehead and Bible verses hanging off of them. And they wore crosses on their neck. We're living in a day where everywhere I go, I see little crosses on people that are half naked. There's something wrong with that. Modesty is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Nakedness is a fruit of the flesh. So something's contradictory when you see that, but you'll see, you'll see Christian tattoos on people that look like they've come straight out of hell. I went to Haiti years ago, and I learned in Haiti they believe in fetishes. What's a fetish? That is something that you think, if you carry it around, it's going to give you good luck. Rabbit's foot. I, if you got a rabbit's foot with you, wearing a cross, the outward appearance is not going to help you. Having a tattoo with a cross on is not going to help you. Having a necklace with a cross on is not going to help you. Now, if you want to use it for a witnessing tool, amen. But it's not going to help you with God. You're not going to be able to go to God and say, hey, I, my whole life I wore a cross on my neck. Woohoo! And he'll say, well, what were you doing? What were you viewing on your phone? Now I'm meddling. Yeah. Let's go back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, verses 27 to verse 30. The prophet Eli, the the, uh, priest Eli, Eli and his family were priests of God. It was a... It was a high, are we okay on this? I know my preaching was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. But uh, if you have to go out, please don't use that door. Anybody, I don't know who used it. I didn't see who went out, but whoever, unless you're sick or something. If you're sick or something, that's the shortest way to use it. Are we okay? All right. Eli, high priest. Eli cared about outward appearances and didn't care what he did in secret with God. That was his downfall. Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas, and this is, I hate to see this, but biblically this happens a lot, that good people have really bad kids. You know why? 
You can't reproduce Christians by birth. Christians get saved one generation at a time. Really, every born-again believer is a first-generation Christian. I'm, my mom and dad got saved. I, they call me second-generation but that doesn't, just because my mom and dad got saved, yeah, it gave me some great opportunities, but I've known people turn away from God just as hard as being second or third generation born into a family of Christians as those who never knew God at all. Eli's kids, they were no good. They just, they just didn't want to do God's will. They, they committed immorality in the temple. They stole the sacrifices of God for themselves. You can read that later. I don't have time for that this morning, but that's the background of this, what I'm going to read. Verse 27, there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, thus saith the Lord, did I plainly, did I not, did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be priests? Offer upon mine altar and burn incense and wear an ephod before me? And of course the answer is yes. And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire, the children of Israel? Yes. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my habitation and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Basically, they were, they were stealing from the church of God, getting rich on the church. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Eli went to him as, his, as their dad, and he says, you know, I hear that you're committing wicked, wicked, lewd acts, and, and, and that you're displeasing God. Quit that. Let me do that again. Quit that. Was that a feminine or no? Quit that. That's about it. Verbally rebuked them. But they were worthy of death under the Mosaic law. They were worthy of death under the Mosaic law. But Eli was so spineless, didn't care what, 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 whether God was pleased. He cared whether he was pleased and whether his kids were pleased. And they continued on that wickedness till finally God stepped in and judged his family. And this is part of that judgment here, but I'm not done yet. He says, you honor your sons above me and make yourselves fat with the cheapest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Then verse 30 is the key. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed unto thy, that thy house should, and thy house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. That's in secret and publicly, of course. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Eli had a privileged calling. Eli had a privileged position. Eli had a privileged access. Eli had a privileged knowledge. But Eli was backslidden in his private walk with God. All Eli had was outward walk. He did not honor God where it counted which was in secret. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 12, verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. And here it is. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. What you need to be real concerned about is pleasing God. 
when nobody else knows it. If you want to please God, if you please God where nobody else knows it, he will honor you publicly. But if you please people, if you please, if you have appearances and put on appearances and publicly being a Christian, but not, not privately, God will do the opposite. He'll take away any honor you may have thought you were going to get and judge you with it. If you go to the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to real quickly go through some three areas in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaks about this secret thing that I'm talking about. He says there in, in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, he says, For when thou doest alms, that's giving, let, the left hand know, let not the left hand know what thy right hand doeth, thine alms also may be in secret, and thy father would see it secret himself shall reward thee openly. Whoa. Now that phrase, your father who seeth in secret will reward you openly, is, is repeated three times in chapter 6. He repeats it about doing alms or giving. He repeats it about when we pray. Don't pray that where, where people can see. Pray in secret. Let me tell you, I'm not real big on public prayer. You don't see me get up here and 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 wolf a uh, real real complex, fancy, dancy, impressive prayer for you. He said, "Don't do that. Make your prayer be in secret to the Father when nobody else can see. It. And he that seeth you in secret is going to reward you openly. It's not how good you can do public prayer. It's how good you can do private prayer." It's not how good you give publicly, it's how good you give privately. Thirdly, he talks about fasting in verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. They will go around in sackcloth and there's a spider on my microphone, I'm going to get him. That or it's a floater. Don't, don't fast and disfigure yourself or go around wearing fasting clothes and, hey, I'm fasting, and, hey, look at me, I'm fasting. And from looking at most of you, you haven't fasted in a long time. I mean, you know, I don't think you've got to worry about Baptists over fasting. Oh, boy. That you may appear unto men to fast. What's Jesus saying? They have the reward. Okay, you want to fast, be a peer unto men to fast? That's all the reward you're going to get is a warm feeling that other people know you're fasting. That's it. That's the reward you're going to get. You want to give in public? The only reward you're going to get is a warm feeling that other people know you've given. That's the only, that's the only value that you're going to get out of that. You want to pray in public so people can know you're real spiritual? Go ahead. But the only, the only reward you're going to get out of it is a warm feeling that, that people can hear how wonderful you are and how literate you are and how big a vocabulary you have and how much the Bible you know. That's the only reward you're going to get. Because he that seeth in secret will reward you openly. That's what he says. That's the whole point of that that thou may appear not unto men to fast, but unto Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. 
So alms, praying, fasting, God says do it secretly. If, you're, if you have a preference, do it secretly as opposed to publicly. Why? Because God only can and will bless that which is real and true. I think of the book of Amos. Many of you may, may have never been to Amos before, but Amos was, is a great book. It's a, it's, a, it's a book of the minor prophets against sin is a major theme in the book of Amos. Well, it says that the children of Israel were doing bad during Amos's time. They weren't living. They were, they were publicly uh, living for God, but privately they weren't living for God. And God had a, had a complaint against them. And Amos cried out against the ten northern tribes. And listen what God, through Amos, says to these ten northern tribes that are living by appearances and not in secret for God. Here's what he said. I hate. People, there's people who think God doesn't hate. God hates certain things. He says, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. That's their praise and worship services. 522 of Amos, though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. That's your, your gifts and your financial giving. He tells them, I'm not going to accept your praise and worship services. I'm not going to accept your giving. Verse 23, take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. I will not hear the melody of thy vials. That's your worship through music. He says, take all your music worship and take it away from me. I don't want to hear it. Verse 24, well, let judgment run down as waters, the things that are done in secret. And righteousness is a mighty stream. He says, Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But he said, which in verse 26, but you have borne the tabernacle of Moloch and Chiun, your images, the stars of your God, which you made to yourselves. In essence, he's saying you got secret sins, you're, you're, you're verbally showing me much love. Oh, praise God. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I love the praise of the Lord. Hallelujah. But in private, you're worshiping other gods than me. You're worshiping maybe the God of pleasure or the God of, of immorality or the God of, of drugs or the God of drink or the God of self. In other words, you're worshiping something that I have condemned and making it your God. And he said, because of that, Take your, take your praise and worship services. I don't want to hear them. Take your giving. I don't want to see it. Take your worship through music in every area. Take it away. You may never realize that part of God until you read the book of Amos. You say, Brother Bill, I thought God would just be happy for anything we do. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need anything you have. Let me get that again. God doesn't need anything you have. He can live without you. We need him. And if you don't think that, there'll be a day you will understand that. 
but I hope it's not too late. The only reason God even pays any attention to us is because of his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So you could be saved. Imagine the insult after giving his only begotten son on Calvary and the resurrection and all that's going on to purchase your salvation. And then publicly you say, oh, I love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. I love God. And, and maybe you attend church, which is a public event. Uh, but privately on Monday through, you know, they always say Sunday is God's day and Monday is fun day. You know, you live for yourself the rest of the week. Live for God on Sunday. God forbid. Every day is Sunday in my life. Amen? Every day is the Lord's day in my life. Not because I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher because every day was the Lord's day in my life before he called me to preach. Before he called me to help. Man, what I'm talking about today, shake yourself. Shake yourself. Grab a hold of yourself if most of your life as a Christian is outward. When most of our life, like that old iceberg I talked about, should be inward. David, King David said in Psalm 51, Behold, thou desirest truth on the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it, delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. He was a man after God's own heart. I believe it's time to come clean with God. The secret of living a Christian life is to be a Christian in secret. That's your thesis statement for you people that know English. That's the thesis statement of what I've talked about all morning. The secret of Christian Living Christian life is to be a Christian in secret. So what are you doing in secret? When everybody goes to bed, are you turning on TV programs, computer programs, viewing things on your phone that you know absolutely, positively God would be against? You know it. How do you know? If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's sitting there going, uh, 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 uh. how many hear the Holy Spirit talk to you? The Holy Spirit will whisper to you. He's not going to shout at you. He's going to whisper to you. Stop. Stop. You have magazines, things you shouldn't look at. You'd blush. If we brought them out in public, you'd blush. Are you slipping around the edges of your Christian life? You want to go to heaven, but you want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season? You remember when Moses got right? His heart was right with God. The Bible says he forsook the pleasures of Egypt. He forsook the, he forsook the pleasures of sin for a season that were offered to him in Egypt. There's been nobody come up that I know of had more opportunity to be wicked than Moses. Raised by Pharaoh's daughter, totally heathen. He could have been the most wicked guy in the world. He had everything in his fingertips. See, most of us don't have that. Most of us don't even have the options that Moses had. But he had every option you can imagine to do evil, and he chose to do good. 
secretly, privately. And look what God did through Moses. Wow, the most famous person in the Old Testament. Come clean today with God. God already knows what you do. That's the craziest thing in the world. You know, you know the, a lot of times we do things that are, we're ashamed of in secret. You understand that the night is as the day to God. That's what the psalm said. There's no night with God. Most evil goes on during the night. You can ask any law enforcement. Most of the evil goes on third shift. Why? People trying to hide from God. They know he's there. Trying to hide from God. But God says, the night's like the day to me. You can't hide from me. I know the very thoughts and the intents of your heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. I know the thoughts and intents of your heart. What are you trying to do? You're, remember, I'm going back here to Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can't con God. You see why I said this is an important message? This is the difference between success and failure in your life. God's looking for people that are honest when nobody can see, true when nobody can see, have integrity when nobody can see, wouldn't steal a dime. If they had access to millions of dollars and nobody would ever know it, they'd never take a dime. That who's, that's who God's looking for of a heart that wants to do right, and the Holy Spirit of God will help you do right, encourage you to do right. Don't think you're counting him, you're not. Man, we need revival today. We, the, I appreciate all these people saying we're in revival, we're not. If you had true revival in the United States of America, what would it look like? The strip clubs would begin to close. The pornography sites wouldn't have, wouldn't have nearly the business they once had. Marriages would last through thick and through thin, through good and through bad, through rich and through poor, till you kill each other or death do you part. Your honesty, Christians' honesty would be so famous that employers would be, please, Employers get ripped off. Who do employers get ripped off by? Most of the time, they're employees. I've heard that directly from employers. My employees are robbing me blind. They're not only robbing me with the stuff I have, but they're 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 they're, they're feather bedding, they call it. They're 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 cheating on their hours. They're messing around. They're spending an hour down to 7-Eleven when they should take 15 minutes. They're stealing the time of the employer. But if you're a born-again Christian, you're going to give 100% to your employer, 100% because your employer is God. The Bible says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto God and not unto men. If I worked for Gillespie, I would not be working for Gillespie. I would be working for the God who saved me. And incidentally, I'd be working for Gillespie. Because it's what's done in secret that counts. You're not getting away with anything. You want to be blessed by God? I end with this. You want to be blessed by God? Boy, you want to be blessed by God. You want to be blessed by God. Man, he told the children of Israel in the Pentateuch, I'm going to, in, in the chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, I'm going to command a blessing to be upon you. That's where I want to be. 
I want to be under the command of God to be blessed. That's where I want to be. Now, how are you going to get there? This is what I said this morning. You're not going to get there like the Pharisees. Ooh, you ain't going to get there that way. You're going to get there by being honest and true and have integrity before God when nobody's looking around, looking at you. You say, Brother Bill, you're making me really uncomfortable. I hope so. Because I hope you get it so uncomfortable, the Holy Spirit breaks through your hard heart and you repent of what you've been doing and you get right with your employer and reimburse your employer for what you've stolen from him and go to him and say, I've been feather bedding your wages and I haven't been working with my whole heart because I didn't think you paid me enough. But it doesn't make any difference. If I agreed to work with you for a buck an hour, I should give you 100% of my time. As soon as you agree, you got to be 100% for God. Somebody say amen, man. It's getting lonely up here. I'm going to get assassinated before this is over. I'm serious. This is, is, I told you, this is one of the more important messages I preach. God bless you and help you to understand this. May the Holy Spirit take this home with you. Help you to digest it, understand it. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Father, make us clean on the inward parts. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.